family here tonight, Miss Mabel. That is wonderful. Jeremiah chapter 4 in your Bibles, if you would please, here this evening. Jeremiah chapter number 4. And we began this, this study on what the Lord said about standing ye in the ways and see and asking for the old paths, where is the good way? And he said, walk therein, ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. We began going through this, this passage of scripture from Jeremiah chapter number 1 leading up to Jeremiah chapter number 6 concerning what God said and what he meant when he said that they should be seeking for the old ways and the old paths. And we began to get into what the Bible says about those things. Now, I said a couple of weeks ago that if you really wanted to put it in a nutshell, the old paths are the biblical paths, the written paths of the Word of God that God stated clearly to be lived. We made a distinction between those things and the things that have been called old paths, but they're really just traditions of men or personality traits or philosophical differences in ministries, but they're not necessarily old paths. So we've been looking at what the old paths meant and what God said uh, he wanted them to get back to in these subsequent chapters beginning in chapter number one. Now we see it in chapter number four as uh, a few weeks ago I began uh, with you studying what I'm calling God's grievances against Israel concerning the things that they had departed from. I want you to see it here in Jeremiah chapter number 4. The Bible says in verse number 1, If thou wilt return, O Israel, saith the Lord, return unto me. And if thou wilt put away thine abominations out of my sight, then shalt thou not remove. And thou shalt swear... The Lord liveth in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness. And the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. Look at verse number 8. He says, For this gird you with sackcloth, lament and howl, for the fierce anger of the Lord is not turned back from us. Look at verse number 14. O Jerusalem... Wash thine heart from wickedness, that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? Look at verse number 17 as our last text. As keepers of a field are they against her round about, because she hath been rebellious against me, saith the Lord. Thy way and thy doings have procured these things unto thee. This is thy wickedness, because it is bitter, because it reacheth unto thine heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please fill me with your Holy Spirit power. Guide and direct me, Lord. Please help me to say the things that you would have me to say, and only the things that you would have me to say. Lord, I pray that you would help this evening. We pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. As I was praying, I was reminded of this. Miss um, Lauren O'Neill uh, is not feeling well. She was uh, at the doctor earlier today. And, uh, and so we need to be in prayer for her. Some of you know some of the struggles that she deals with. And so be in prayer for her and for Brother Caleb as well. And, uh, and then 
Stephanie Yoho, somebody we, we have been praying for a while that Miss Laura O'Neill uh, knows. Uh, I heard, I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before, that uh, things have not gone well for her recently and that the cancer treatments were stopped. Uh, she's been in the hospital uh, for over a week and, um, and on hospice care. And uh, so things are looking kind of bleak for Stephanie. And... Uh, so we need to be in prayer for her. And so as I was praying, I remembered these two. And so can we do that? Let's just pray for these two now as well. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for Miss Lauren. I pray that you'd help her to recover and, and to be able to overcome uh, this bout that she's having now with her health again. Lord, I pray that you'd give her strength. And uh, I pray that you'd heal her. Lord, I pray that, that as her great physician that you, would, that you would touch her body and help her in the ways that the doctors can't. Lord, I pray for Stephanie and, and Lord, for the family. If I remember correctly, she has, she has young, young kids. and Lord, I cannot imagine where they must be in their hearts and minds right now knowing that, that Stephanie is now in that place where they've stopped treatment and carrying that heavy burden. Lord, I'm glad to hear that she's praising you and, and having a good spirit. I pray that you'd help her to keep her spirits high. Lord, I pray that you give her spiritual, emotional, and physical strength. Lord, I, again, I beg you, please, that you would pour out your spirit upon this service. Use me, Lord, as only you can. We pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name, and amen. I want you to look at it again in Jeremiah chapter number 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says, If thou wilt, what? Return, O Israel, saith the Lord, return unto me. Now, here's part of the problem with Israel. Israel had been returning to God feignedly. They were fakes. In other words, they had been saying that we will come back to God, but they were not doing it from the genuine place of their heart. They spoke as if they were on the Lord's side, but in their hearts they were far from Him. Remember, with their lips they were saying one thing, but their hearts were in a totally different place. And the Lord tells them, if thou wilt return, O Israel, return unto me. He's pleading with them and also reminding them that the returning that they have been doing was not a returning unto the Lord. Now, you can return to church. You can return back to your pew. You can return to the choir. And you can do all of those things and not return unto the Lord in your heart. You can be physically in your place and you can be in appearance as if you are living for the Lord, but in your heart in a totally different place. And here's where God's grievances pick up again with Israel. One of the paths that they left was that they left the path of true repentance and embraced the path of rebellion. If there is anything that is prevalent in our culture today, it is that people all across our country are sitting in church pews and their hearts are far from God. Why? Not because they don't say that they love the Lord, because they claim that they love the Lord with all of their heart, but their actions prove a totally different life. And when God said that they needed to return unto Him, it was because with their lips, they had been doing lip service to God, but with their life, they had been living contrary and contradictory to God's path. 
Listen, if you're going to be a Christian that has the blessings of God on your life, it's not going to be because you tell Him you love Him. It is going to be because you live in the path of righteousness. The blessings of God do not come because of our emotions and our feelings towards the Lord. They come because of our obedience towards the Lord. Doesn't matter how much we post on Facebook and social media that we love God and put our devotional verse down for the day so that everybody can see how spiritual we are. We are. If you are living a life contrary to the Word of God, then you have not returned to God. He says, return, O Israel, return unto me. Don't return back to the temple, return unto me. Don't return back to the way of talking, return unto me. We've all heard it many times, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. And as you follow the path of the Lord, He sees where your heart really is. We heard earlier this week at Camp Calvary, that I think it was during Brother Doug Castle's message. Uh, who was it? I don't know. Y'all, y'all might have to remind me here. But one of the preachers uh, mentioned that often when we read about following God and walking with the Lord, you will see it come subsequent with scriptures that speak of walking with the Lord by following the direction and path that He has declared. In other words, walking with the Lord means walking after His ways. How in the world can two walk together except they be agreed? Agreed in their lifestyle, agreed in their steps. We can say that we agree with one another, but if we start taking different paths, we are not in the agreement the Scripture is speaking of. The agreement that God is talking about is walking the same path that He declares to be the right path. They left the path of repentance and embraced the path of rebellion. Look at it in verse number 17 of chapter number 4. As keepers of a field, are they against her roundabout? He's talking about the, the armies that are going to come against Israel from the north. And he says, as the keepers of a field, they are, they, they are, they, are they against her roundabout? Because she hath been rebellious against me, saith the Lord. Do you see that? She has returned unto me feignedly. She has come back to me, but she has tried to fake me out. You know, the Lord knows your heart. Look at Jeremiah chapter number 3 and look at verse number 10. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me with her whole heart, but what? Feignedly saith the Lord. In other words, she's trying to fool me. Do you see that? Are we all in the same place? Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse number 10. Now listen, as I was saying a little bit ago, all across America today are churches where people are living totally contrary to the Word of God, but are claiming with their lips that they love God. Can I just say this? You cannot be right with God and wrong with His book. If God's Word says this is right and you don't live in it, then you are not right with God. Well, but you know what this is? I live the way that God shows me through His Spirit. No, what you mean is you live according to how your feelings go. Because God's Spirit will not lead contrary to God's Word. If God's Word says it, 
God's Spirit will lead according to it. Now, they left the path of repentance and embrace the path of rebellion. I've been speaking of that path of rebellion, but I want you to notice again where he says, if thou wilt return. To repent means to turn away from sin and turn unto the Lord. Are you with me? And so repentance is not only, and how many times have you heard this said, but repentance is not only turning away from our sin, but it is also turning unto the Lord. And so he says, I don't need you to only stop sinning and to only stop worshiping false idols and to only stop burning incense to false idols and to only stop going to the groves. I don't need you to only turn from those things, but I need you to return unto me in sweet fellowship. True repentance is not only turning from that which is wrong, but turning unto that which is right. I'm going to say that again. Repentance is not only turning away from that which is wrong, but turning unto that which is right. I was preaching in the prison a few weeks ago, and I mentioned this to those men, and I may have mentioned it here as well. Christians today live what I like to call halfway Christianity. In other words, we spend our lives trying to avoid pitfalls of sin and if you're not careful, that's the only thing you do. Just trying to repent of that which is wrong. But if you don't then turn yourself and return unto the Lord in fellowship and in His presence, then what you find yourself doing is simply trying to avoid the pitfalls of sin, and by doing so, people continue to fall into them. Because your focus is always on that which is wrong and trying to stay out of it. But if you turn your eyes upon Jesus and you turn your eyes unto truth and start trying to live in what is right, not just avoid that which is wrong, now you've come all the way into what I would call a full Christian walk. You're only going halfway if you're trying to avoid watching the wrong movies and shows. You're only going halfway if you're trying to avoid having a bad attitude. You're only going halfway if you're trying to avoid cussing. Good that we have avoided that which is wrong. But it is also a sin to know what to do when it is good and not to do it. So we live this halfway Christian life. Well, I'm not, I'm not smoking and drinking and cussing, you know, so I must be a good Christian. Well, no, you might be a halfway Christian. Let me ask you this. How is your walk with God? Let me ask you this. What are you doing that God says you should be doing? Beyond just avoiding smoking, drinking, cussing, and carousing, what are you doing for the Lord? You see, that's a full Christian life. And as long as you're always focusing on that which is wrong, oh, I don't want to watch that show. I don't want to watch that movie. Boy, I don't want to have that bad attitude. The truth is it's kind of odd but the more you focus on trying not to do what's wrong, the more you get caught in it because you're always focusing on it. What you need to do is turn your mind onto something that is right and start actively living in it according to the word of truth. Now, repentance is not only turning away from something, but also turning unto the Lord. Is everybody with me? He says, Israel, listen. You've got to be 
returning unto me. Not just turning away from that which is wrong, but returning unto a life lived in fellowship and sweet fellowship with the Lord. Now, look at it again in verse number 1 of chapter 4 of Jeremiah. If thou wilt return, O Israel, saith the Lord, return unto me. And if thou wilt put away thine abominations out of my sight, then shalt thou not what? Remove. What is he saying? He's saying, Israel, I'm about to bring the armies of the north upon you in judgment. But if you'll return unto me, I won't remove you from your place. We continue to see the grace and love of God when he says that if his people would just repent, that he would stay his hand of judgment. They left the path of repentance. You see, they forgot what real repentance was. They had continued to declare that there would be peace through their prophets that preached unto the children of Israel. Peace, peace, when there is no peace because there was coming judgment. And they began to convince themselves that we're all doing just fine. And the Holy Spirit of God is trying to work in their hearts to say, you are not doing fine. You need to return and repent. Listen to me, church, listen. Don't ever get to the point where at any moment in your Christian life, you feel like you're doing okay when it comes to your stand in the Lord. What does the Bible tell us about that? Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest what? I've always been taught, the moment you think you're not capable of falling is the moment that you will. I believe that God's people should constantly be seeking to repent on a daily basis, asking God to forgive us for our sins and having a humble and a pure heart towards the Lord. I think God has probably about had it up to here with the so-called Christianity of the day. Where we can dress however we want, we can do whatever we want, we can live however we want, and show up to church. And because we've returned to our place in, in the seats of the pews, that everything is okay. I want you to look at chapter 4 and look at verse number. Well, you know what? I think the Lord is leading differently here. I've got pages of notes for tonight. Oh, my. Pages of notes for tonight. And we're not going to get there, I can tell. Look at verse number 3. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord, and take away the foreskins of your heart, ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire, and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your what? Because of the evil of your doings. 
They had left the path of repentance, but I want you to notice this as well. They had left the path of separation and dedication unto God. When the Bible in verse number 4 speaks of circumcising yourselves to the Lord, that is obviously a surgical term where the Lord is saying, look, I want you as the covenant was with Abraham to have that covenant of circumcision. I want you to circumcise your hearts. In other words, show your dedication to me and begin to give me your heart again and let me take the sin and the wickedness out of it. Surgically remove that which should not be a part of your lives. But he's saying, I want you to do so to show your dedication and your separation unto me. Now, I was, I was thinking on this earlier today. Matter of fact, I think it was this morning. My dad and I were talking about this before he left town. There was a time when preachers would preach a message of sacrifice, surrender, and service. And you would hear in the messages of the pulpits of Baptist churches across America, surrender, sacrifice, and service. Maybe not those three words, but that was the overwhelming matter and subject matter that was preached. And we have now found ourselves in a period of time where what we hear more often from the pulpits is blessing, prosperity, help, and peace. When a person got saved, you heard my dad reference it this past week. When he got saved, his preacher said, I won't baptize you until you cut your hair. What is that? Sacrifice. Surrender. Surrender to the will of God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. And be willing to do what He asks you to do. Dedicate yourself to Him. But today, we find ourselves in a place where... We try to make God more palatable for those that get saved and try to patiently wait for them to determine to get their lives right with God instead of encouraging them to totally surrender their lives to Him at the moment that they get saved. Do you understand that salvation and surrender are two totally different things? You can be saved and not be surrendered to God. You can be on your way to heaven and not be in the will of God in your life. It's one thing to ask God to save you from your sin and take you to heaven when you die. It's another thing to cast your feet or to cast yourself at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, not my will but thine be done. You know what he said? He said, I want you to clean yourselves up and I want you to dedicate yourselves back to me again. They left the path of separation, surrender, and dedication unto God. In Colossians chapter number 2 and verse number 11, the Bible says, In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In Romans chapter number 2 and verse number 28, the Bible says, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of 
God. What God is saying is that His Word and His Spirit wants to clean you up and make you more like Him and cause you to dedicate your life to His service. To separate yourself from the old, dirty ways of this life and to again give yourself unto the Lord. They left the path of separation and dedication unto God. You know, you cannot be on the path of worldliness and on the path of God at the same time. And it needs to be thundered out more frequently these days that God's people ought to be separated unto Him. God's people ought to be different than this world. This isn't so hard for some of the older Christians that are here. A lot of you gave your lives to the Lord and you decided your standards a long time ago. But a lot of younger Christians that are second and third and fourth generation Christians are questioning a lot of the things that they've been handed. And I'm not entirely against having some questions about your faith. I think it can help establish your faith. But the problem is, when we're not necessarily questioning in order to find the answers, we're questioning in order to scorn the old paths. Because we don't want to be surrendered. Because we don't want to be dedicated anymore. Because we don't want to be sold out anymore. Young Christians today are fighting with their dedication to God. Willing to come to church, but not willing to sell out. Listen to me. Willing to have a Bible, a King James Bible for that matter, but not willing to sell out and surrender. Willing to be part of the way right with God, but not all of the way right with God. Hanging on to some of the things in this world and hanging on to some of the things in God's Word. I want to ask you tonight, are you totally 100% surrendered to God to the point that if He says, I want this in your life, you can give it. To the point that He says, this is a sin in your life, you'll repent of it. Are you totally surrendered to God's will? Or are you hanging on to parts of this world and having a hard time getting totally surrendered? You know, total surrender doesn't mean that you have to surrender to the mission field. It doesn't mean that you have to surrender to be a preacher. It doesn't mean that you have to surrender to be a deacon or a song leader or a Sunday school teacher. It just means that whatever God's Word says, you agree that it's right and you'll do it. Total surrender to God's will. You see, they had left the path of surrender and dedication. And God said, I want you to become dedicated again. Look at verse number 22. We've got to move on. I'll be done. Verse number 22. For my people is what? Foolish. They have not known me. They are sottish children, and they have none understanding. They are wise to do what? Evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge. They had left the path of righteous knowledge for the path of of evil knowledge. Turn your Bibles very quickly to Romans chapter number 16. Very, very quickly with me. Romans chapter number 16. Many of you know this passage, but let's look at it again. Romans chapter number 16 and verse number 19. The Bible says in verse number 19 of Romans chapter 16, For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad therefore on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is what? 
good and simple concerning evil. The Bible tells us that the children of Israel were foolish because they did not know the Lord. They did not have understanding. They were wise to do evil, but to do good, they had no knowledge of it. I mentioned here just a little bit ago about halfway Christianity. Now listen, a lot of times we are reading our Bibles and living a life in a way as if to say, man, God is always speaking to my heart about the sins that I should not be living. But I want to ask you, when was the last time that you opened up God's Word and said, God, what should I be doing on top of what should I be avoiding? You see, listen, this is what God is saying. They are wise about the evil of this world, but they have lost their knowledge of the good that they should have knowledge about. This book is full of instruction beyond just the pitfalls of sin. It's full of instruction on the things that you ought to be doing for the Lord. But when we fail to search the Scriptures to be made wise about what we should do, and we see them as only an instruction book to keep us out of sin, we have lost the power of God in our lives to grow. Turn your Bibles to James chapter number 1, would you please? James chapter number 1. And look at verse number 21. The Bible says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to what? Save your souls. Now, God is speaking to His people and He says, Look, clean yourselves up. Get rid of all the naughtiness and all of the sin. But then look at verse number 22. A lot of Christians stop at verse number 21. Yeah, I need to clean my life up and get rid of all the sin. And that is true. But be ye what? Doers of the word and not hearers only. Verse number 23. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he what? He was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and what? Continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be what? Blessed in his deed. Remove all the superfluity of naughtiness, but also do the things that God tells you to do. Hey, husbands, you want instruction for your home? Read the Bible and do what God says concerning being a good husband. Well, if I'll just stay out of pornography, I'll be a good husband. Wrong. That's only half of what you ought to be doing. Less than half. What does the Bible say to a husband? Are you obeying it? Hey, wives. Have you studied the Scriptures concerning what the Bible says about what the wives should be doing? And are you doing it? Hey, church member, have you studied the Scriptures concerning what the Bible says a church member should be doing? And are you doing it? And y'all, that question can be asked about every avenue of life. Parenting, finances, you name it. It's all there. But we have lost the knowledge of the good things. We have a whole lot of this world's wisdom. And we are wise 
and a lot of the wisdom of this world. But are we wise in the knowledge of the good things of the Word of God? This is the strength of the Christian life. Is everybody okay? This is the strength of the Christian life. This is where real growth comes from. Learning the good things and doing them. Applying the words of God in the spiritual matters of life. This is where real fulfilling Christianity begins. I want you to look at it again in Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse number 22 and we're done. Because your eyes are telling me we're done. Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse number 22. For my people is foolish. They have not known me. They are sottish children and they have none understanding. They are wise to do evil but to do good they have no knowledge. They don't they don't know what good is anymore. Now, <laughs> modern Christianity is growing in its knowledge of the world and worldly philosophies. We're inundated with information and the world's way of thinking. Social media, news media, movies, work relationships, school, public universities, books, newspaper articles, articles online, people's endless drivel on Facebook about all of their amazing knowledge. But we don't know our Lord like we should. and We don't have knowledge of that which is good like we should. Our knowledge of the holy should be increasing as we age in Christ. In Proverbs chapter number 9, the Bible says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. We fail God when we don't know Him anymore, and we don't know about the good things that we ought to be doing. Just about every young Christian could be paraded in front of a church and asked a simple question. Now that you're a Christian, what things should you not be doing? And we could give a list. I shouldn't smoke. I shouldn't cuss. I shouldn't have a bad attitude. I shouldn't. You, you want to know what a Christian, how a Christian ought to live? Ask a lost person and they'll tell you. It's not real hard to know because the law of God is written on our hearts. It's not really hard to know what is right and what is wrong. But there is a dearth of knowledge about what is good. And therefore there is a dearth of growth. Shallow Christianity because it's only going halfway. What should I avoid? That's good. What should I do? Have you gotten there? Have you gotten there? That's the full Christian life. They left the path of repentance and embraced the path of rebellion. 
And they left the path of righteous knowledge and embraced the path of evil knowledge. Ask that same young Christian, great, now what should you do? They'll give you some simple answers. Read my Bible. I should pray. I should go to church. Those are good things. That's a good start. I am going to go to one. Uh, no, maybe I'll leave it for another time. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that there came a time when God looked upon His people and when they, they themselves should have been teachers. They had need of themselves being taught because they were unskillful in handling the Word of God. Huh? And instead, the Word of God that they needed continued to be the milk and not the meat. Why? Because they hadn't grown any. And they were unable to handle the meat of the Word of God. Christian, you should be growing in your knowledge and application of that which is holy, that which is right, and that which is good. And if you don't, the odds of falling back into sin are very strong because you need something more than just staying out of sin. I keep saying that, preacher. I know. But it became one of the pitfalls of the children of Israel and of Judah. And so let us be warned about it ourselves. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please impress upon our hearts the need to grow in our understanding of the good Word of God and in our application of it. I pray that you would place upon the hearts of your people a desire to go beyond just learning about avoiding sin and instead begin to commit our lives to applying the truths that we know to be good. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around, how many would say, Preacher, if I were to die today, I know for a fact, no question in my mind, I know for a fact that I'm on my way to heaven. Would you slip your hand in the air in testimony of that fact? I wonder if you can put your hands down. Is there anybody here that would say, Preacher, if I were to die today, I do not know if I'd go to heaven, but I sure would like to know. Would you please pray for me? Would you slip your hand in the air? Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Are you surrendered wholly to the Lord? Are you learning and growing in the knowledge of the word of truth? Learning that which is good and applying it and doing it. It takes surrender to get to that step. Are you there? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please do the work that only your Holy Spirit and your Word can do. We pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name. As the music plays, let's all stand to our feet. And as you're standing, if God spoke to your heart, why don't you come? Now's the time. Why don't you come?